Hello and welcome to the Duncan podcast. It is episode lucky number seven. And as always, thank you for joining me. We have a really great interview lined up for you this week with, in my opinion, one of the finest singer songwriters on this island. But before we get to that, regular listeners will know that this is the part of the podcast where I usually yammer on about what I've been doing or not doing, as the case may be, with the most prominent project that I've been working on being the book. The good news is, from my side anyway, is that I've got a slight extension. So Monday coming is my new absolute final deadline to get it to the publisher. The book is in five parts, three of which are done. One is probably done and then one just needs a bit more work. So I've got the next few days over the weekend to finish that off. And then I just sit back and wait for the money to roll in, as I believe that's how it works in the old poetry game. But the book was included in the Irish Times' 85 books to look out for in 2021, which was really nice to see. Although, to be fair, 85 books is a lot of books to look out for. It's like being attacked by a library. But I guess if there's a list of books to look out for and you've got a book coming out, it's better to be on the list. Aside from that, I have been working a little bit on the art slash poetry crossover project that you heard about last week with Fiona, plus dog walking and beard growing. And then there are some projects on the horizon that will start once the book is away, including some things happening with the Dunkern that we've had meetings and emails about and which you should see unfolding over the next few weeks. But I'll say nothing at the moment until I get the green light on those. One thing... One thing that is probably worth mentioning is there is a, a private Facebook group for the housing development that I live in and it's actually a great tool for the neighbours here to connect and share information and recommendations about all sorts of things from recipes to reliable tradesmen. But last Saturday night a neighbour had posted that he had been clearing out boxes in his attic and he'd found old computer hard drives that he had wiped and formatted and which he was giving away for free. And they're the type of thing that are really handy. It's kind of like a, a safety net for backing up your computer. So I sent him a message saying that I would be interested in having one of the hard drives. And I walked around the next day then to, to pick it up. And of course, in these situations, you never know what kind of person you're going to be meeting. But the guy was lovely. And we were standing talking for a while. He was just in his doorway and I was obviously standing outside, socially distanced and all that. But we discussed computers and our houses and the housing estate and house renovations and football, of course. And then we got on to our previous jobs and somehow we ended up talking about his divorce and his recent second marriage and the cost of it all, particularly the divorce. So all in all, I didn't get back to my own house for about half an hour. And I mean, he's like literally around the corner. I, you can see his house from our house. And then my wife was saying, what took you so long? I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my wife is Finnish and she is regularly amazed by the willingness of people here to talk and not only that but by the amount of information that we divulge in such a short space of time when my wife moved here just over eight years ago she said the biggest cultural difference was that as she calls it the machine gun questions now that's not questions about machine guns what she means is the speed of the questions that get fired at her especially when people find out that she's finished they usually say, so what brought you here and what do you work at and where do you live and what's Finland like and do you like Belfast and can you say something in Finnish and on and on and on. And that's, that was probably just me on the first date. But I think myself and this neighbour were just delighted to see someone new in real life and actually have a chat. Uh, that for me was probably the best part and the free hard drive was just a bonus. But then if anyone is listening from a major broadcasting company, 
and they need someone to write links between segments, then I am your man. Because that wasn't the only great chat that I had this week. For I connected via the internet with the singer and songwriter Laura Quirk, who performs as part of the folk group Lemoncello, and recently as a fine solo performer in her own right. In June 2019, Lemoncello and I shared the stage at the Dunkern as part of the Other Voices Festival. I think in the chat with Laura I said it was November, but I have since confirmed that it was June. So just blame the last 12 months for my confusion over the time. I knew it was some point pre-COVID anyway, or as some people know it, the before times. Anyway, I'm rambling. The point I was making is that that was my first time hearing Lemoncello and what an amazing musical duo they are. They are a collaborative pair of songwriter Laura Quirk and then the cellist Claire Kinsella. They were nominated for Best Emerging Folk Act in the RTE Radio 1 Folk Awards of 2019. Their debut EP, Stuck Upon the Staircase, was released in 2018 to rave reviews and acclaim, and the group have toured across Ireland as well as performing in Paris and New York City. They also released a brilliant EP last year called Oil and Water, but we discuss all of that and much more. If you haven't seen Lemoncello perform live, you may have seen Laura performing as part of the Dunkern's Virtual Cabaret or Take Two broadcasts. And if this is your first taste of Lemoncello, then you're in for a treat. Look out for clips of their beautiful songs spliced in amongst the chat. And for now, I'll hand over to me and Laura. Come in, Colin, do you read me? Come in, Colin, do you read me? Come in, Colin. Thank you, Colin, for that lovely and may I say professional handover. And I am indeed joined on the Zoom line by the wonderful songwriter, Laura Quirk. Hello and welcome to the Dunkern podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. And what part of the island are you joining us from? I'm in County Carlow. Okay, I've never been down that far, would you believe? It's a nice shame. Yeah, really. Carlow gets a bit of a bad name. Well, not a, I don't know, it depends on kind of what you like. It has, <clears throat> Carlow Town has the biggest nightclub in Ireland and it's famous for that. And famous in, in good ways and bad ways for that. But, um, I've kind of retired from my nightclubbing days and I've started realizing how beautiful the countryside is here. This is my, this mm. is where I'm from. I'm back at my parents' house at the moment. Okay. And uh, they live, we have lived um, in, at the foot of Mount Leinster, which is um, close to a town called Burris. Um, and our town's land is called Caluctanon. And, um, yeah, very, very lucky. It's a really, really beautiful place to be at the moment. We're right by the mountain. Just be able to look out the window, see the mountain every day. It's a real sort of grounding. Yeah, quite an inspirational setting, I imagine, too, then. Yeah, it was always just where where I grew up. I never really took much inspiration. Well, maybe subconsciously I did, I'd say. Probably did subconsciously. But lately I've kind of been taking a more conscious interest in in the history of the place and and in the stories of of the place it's a it's mad like just in the next field to where we we live there's a a church from uh, like a um, a ruin of a church from 500 bc no no sorry <laughs> there's a ruin of a church from 500 ad mm-hmm. yes Okay, you're only a thousand years out. BC. I yeah, I always get mixed up with those two for some reason. Very stupid. Um 
yeah, 580, like St. Finian and Fortune's Church. And there's a blessed well. Um, and yeah, my neighbors have been telling me, like all through my life, they've been telling me stories of all of these places. But I, yeah, I, I, I never listened until until recently. Lockdown, really. Lockdown number one, I came back here for the whole of it. Spent it here with my family. Then I went back to Dublin again and I came back at Christmas and I haven't left yet. And speaking of your family, I mean, obviously you're, you're a songwriter, musician now. Did you grow up in a musical family? Yeah, every, everybody plays something. Mm. None of them have been as, um, as, as kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to say stupid, but as a, yeah, they, they, they're a lot more sensible than me. They've all kind of not taken it up as much as a, as an inverted commas career, but uh, but yeah, every everybody plays something. Yeah, that's good. That's nice that you have that that connection, and they can understand, and you can have like jam sessions as well. All the quirks together. Yeah, we. I have four brothers. They're all younger than me, and my there were four of us in four years, and then my youngest brother after four years. He was kind of him. An afterthought, I suppose. But um, the four of us, uh, myself, Niall, Declan and Owen, we all grew up in a sort of a cluster. Mm. It just was chaotic because my parents have a farm as well. My mom once said, you know, so sort of nonchalantly, but she said, um, yeah, probably the most mad time was when you were four, Niall was three, Declan was two, Owen was six months old and I was feeding calves and you were all running all around me and I was trying to feed the calves. You were, oh yeah, uh, or something like, maybe it was that she was pregnant with Owen or something. Yeah, she was pregnant feeding calves and three small kids under the age of four running around her. I don't know how she did it, but um, but yeah, uh, like the, we we have all learned a lot from each other and musically as well, like I, I think... We just kind of all rub off on each other, and even though we've all very different interests, like my one of my brothers is a he's into electronic music, and and one the others uh, one of the others sings Johnny Cash songs, um, and one of the others is uh, he writes songs as well, even though he's into architecture and things like that. But we've all sort of got very different interests, but at the same time, a kind of an understanding between each other. Um, mm. which is good yeah no I'm very very lucky they're all they're all brilliant yeah, that's good well I mean getting into your own musical career uh, I read I read online that you studied at Maynooth University is that right mm. and that's where you met Claire who you're in Lemoncello with yeah so um I I met Claire uh, yeah I met Claire on a on a freshers night out and then I met her in a lecture bumped into her in a lecture and I invited her back to my house for tea, and she'd seen um, she'd seen a video of me. Put I put I posted a song online. And she'd seen it, and uh, she was kind of afraid to click into it because she was afraid she wouldn't like the song, and that then she wouldn't like she wouldn't know what to say to me when we went for tea. Uh, she was like, "Oh God, another songwriter, you know, selling her soul and thinking she's like all mystical and uh, clever." And uh, she clicked into it and she actually really liked it. So that was kind of a phew moment for her. Um, so then she came over to the house and she brought the cello and we just, we jammed. Yeah, that was a that was a really, really good time. 
Um, I suppose we had the, like, college there as a kind of a constant. We didn't, we went, we didn't go. We went and we didn't go. But uh, we busked our way through. We kind of made money that way and went into Dublin doing that. And there was a really amazing community around Maynooth of, of musicians. We started a an arts collective there, myself and and that group of of friends, um, some are of who are in Hatchlings now and in Alfie. Mm. Um, and uh, we put on gigs in our sitting rooms called Home is Where the Art Is. Yeah, it was a, it was a really it was a really good time, really good time. And were you studying music at the time? Yeah, yeah, music and French. I studied. Interesting combination. The two, you're fluent in French as well. Um, I spent a year there, and after the year there, I was yeah. That was in two thousand and sixteen. So I've had three years to sort of get rusty. Three or four years now, almost four years now to get rusty. Oh, geez. Yeah. F- almost five, f- five years. What year is it, Colin? I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. F- yeah. I've had a couple of years to get rusty, but no, I, I still can have a conversation in France. Yeah. Many, many years ago, I um, was uh, going out with a French girl back at university, funnily, funnily enough. Yeah. So, but all I can yeah. say is hello and I'm sorry. So that kind of shows you the, <laughs> that says more about the relationship than you know, my linguistics linguistic skills can't even say the word did you live did you live there for a while oh no no this was in this was still in northern ireland i was in uh university of ulster and did she introduce you to any uh french music or not overly she introduced me to uh to marlboro red top cigarettes at the time which <laughs> that's my, my main memory is the smell and the taste of those cigarettes but uh yeah i think that's that's quite interesting that you you were doing music and french uh, do you have you ever combined the two do you sing in french yeah sometimes i love a belgian singer called uh jacques brel mm-hmm. and his writing would have had a, a big influence on on me um and i also love another singer called barbara <laughs> in the french accent uh but uh, yeah, she's incredible as well, and I, I I absolutely love her music. So I I've I sing yeah I sing some French songs by by Barbara and, and by um, by Brel. I want to get uh I want to get a, a an instrument called a theremin, <laughs> which is this kind of I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like an an electronic. In, uh, instrument it's kind of like a needle sticking yeah, up in put your, put your hand towards it and it makes the, yes the, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, wave yeah. sound yeah yeah uh-huh uh-huh and uh that features a lot in Braille's music so that's kind of my mm. next uh lockdown purchase i think is one of those yeah how many instruments do you actually can you play really the only instrument i'm very confident in is my voice but i i do tinker around on the guitar and I tinker around on the mandolin I've been playing around with recently, but I'm very, very new with that. And I can I can mess around with the piano too. And I used to play flute and tin whistle when I was younger. When you kind of sit down to write a song or have an idea for a song, like would, would the guitar be the first instrument that you pick up? Yeah. Recently, I wrote a song on the piano uh, that came very naturally 
to me because it was because it was new I think I think the I definitely like uh like my go-to instrument is the guitar but sometimes it can be nice to pick up an instrument that you're not as familiar with I've gotten used to writing songs on the guitar and then recently I wrote a song on the piano and I think the freshness of just going to this instrument that I was sort of yeah bad on very bad on was actually good for creativity in some way you know I'm not sure if you heard the uh, the podcast chat I had with Stephen James Smith, who I know you know, performed with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and him and I were laughing, saying that we, both of us were kind of field musicians who turned turned to poetry as kind of a backup. Uh, oh, both, really? Yeah, we both started out on the guitar trying to write songs. Uh, and I think both of us have aspirations to get back to that, but <laughs> that's a different story. So what instruments do you play then? I can strum away at the guitar, and my plan this year was to try and learn the keyboard, which... I have here and it's pretty much just been gathering dust so far this year but I will yeah. get at that. Um, I feel like the best thing to do when you want to learn an, an instrument for me anyway is to just find a song that you really love and that even it could be like really really hard but like to find with the piano for example to find a song that you really really love and just just learn how to play that and then once once you master that song it's easier to apply well maybe that's for songwriting too but it's easier like I heard maybe I think John Prine said before like he just how he wrote songs was that he learned a song on the guitar and then he would use those chords to write a song and then he would learn another song on the guitar and then he would use those song chords to write a song so that's that's kind of what I do as well well that's what they say amateurs borrow professionals still there you go (laughs) As the old saying goes. But one, yeah. one thing you said there was that you had given Claire a demo, I think you said. Uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a YouTube video I, I had put up on well mm-hmm. uh, some final year students had asked me they wanted to do a media project and they just they just filmed me in a forest um singing a song I wrote called World's End Bar and, mm-hmm. and Claire and Claire saw that and um and that's what uh, that's what I, I caught her with. Um, but yeah, no, Claire has been a huge influence on me um, musically. And, and uh, I think the reason Lemoncello works so well is because we're so different as humans, <laughs> as human mm. beings. The, the balance between our, our personalities, I think, is kind of one of the main reasons that that the music works so well. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if, it was kind of a you know, 50-50 kind of partnership or maybe you were taking over the songwriting duties, as it were, and Claire kind of chipped in or like, is it is it more balanced or? So I, I write the songs, yeah. Hmm. But because it's just the two of us, the arrangements are very heavily uh, kind of um, directed by, by Claire. And when we go into production then when we go into the studio it's actually Claire probably has more of a hand in that because because I'm almost too close to the song Mm. I find I get too close to the story of the song and the take itself whereas she can kind of hear it as as a listener would maybe and she's able to then say oh like we'll we'll bring I don't know, yeah, like double bass in here and, and harp in here. That's kind of what we were working with the last time. And 
any of my kind of mad ideas, she's able to sort of refine them in a way that is much more, just more better. More better, which is better. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm nervous. Uh, yeah, so... No, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, it is, it's with the Lemoncello stuff, it's, it's 50, 50, definitely in that way. Mm. That's good. I think it's always good to get an extra pair of ears on these type of things. Yeah. She's got a really, really great ear for har- harmony. Um, and in that, I mean like her vocal harmonies, but also with harmonies and like with chords. Um, and I think it's because she spent so much of her time as a kid playing in orchestras and so the cello was always the harmony line or the the counter melody you know so she's the cello and you're the lemon (laughs) i always say yeah i'm the bitter one i wrote that joke last night and i thought if it's going well i'll use it if it's not (laughs) i'm not so sorry about that joke yeah does that mean this is going well i think so from my end it is yeah (laughs) but uh but Lemoncello, getting back to the, the topic at hand, uh, Lemoncello have been having great success over the past few years. So in 2018, you released your first EP, Stuck Upon the Staircase. Yeah. And it got rave reviews. Uh, I have actually... From seen, you? Yeah, I have What seen, was your review of it, Colin? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> Fuck, no. I'll take that, I'll take no, that. No, it was, it was brilliant. And I know we, we met briefly... 2019 I think it was at the Other mm-hmm. Voices Festival in the Dunkern mm, and all was I was, such a good weekend I had such a good time yeah I'll, I'll get to that in a second um, <laughs> we we were on the Friday night and I was I all I was told was that also performing our Lemoncello who are a folk band so that's all I knew I didn't know what you looked like what sounded like anything and I expected you know, like this group of like old men to come along with their banjos <laughs> <laughs> and then it was yourself and Claire and completely blew me away and I, I loved it and the, 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 the audience that night loved it as well and for me it wasn't just the music and the, the structure of the songs as you've talked about there but more so the lyrical content obviously I'm coming from a poetry background and I, I made some mm. of your, your lyrics are, are really stunning thank you that means a lot to me uh, I actually made a note of some of them and Again, I'll come oh. on to that in, in, a, in a second. So, um, but no, that, I mean, that the first EP was really good. I enjoyed it. But I think this the most recent one that came out last year, Oil and Water, was just a different level. Those two EPs are kind of like, they're kind of like sisters because some of the songs actually on Oil and Water, we, re- we tried to rec- record the first time we recorded Stuck Upon the Staircase. And I remember listening to them after we we went to a place called Orla House which is in the Dublin mountains and we recorded that EP there we had um five days there it was amazing a really beautiful house um they had horses outside and stuff and we stayed there for five days and the, the family that lived there were really really good to us and we just kind of took over one of the rooms but uh, listening listening to the songs afterwards Libra and um I think oil and water as well. They just weren't ready yet. Mm. We didn't. We didn't really know how to sing them uh, like we like we d- do now, and we didn't know how to arrange them really. Like I think Libra especially is kind of one of those songs that we kind of wrote live by playing it. 
over and over and over again and improvising and then after like a gig myself and Claire like would kind of go to the side and be like that Claire what you did there was really really cool we need to keep that like let's tomorrow let's do a demo with that bit on it and she was like yeah I don't know where it came from kind of thing um so yeah a lot of our songs are kind of like that they're written live but um I suppose yeah Libra Libra especially was kind of it was a it felt like a diversion from the earlier stuff because it's that kind of uh it's more dissonant and grainier and um yeah it's just not as sweet I suppose as the first the first batch of songs Lately my balance is easily swaying When all that I know is turning to dust Dust, dust swirling around I can't bring it down to the ground to see must say as well the video for Libra adds another dimension to it as well it's amazing yeah that was really fun that was really really fun to make yeah because I mean it is quite a dark and brooding video but I can imagine it was a lot of fun to make with the dancing and the dressing up and everything else yeah we collaborated with an amazing theatre company uh called Footsparn uh traveling theatre company and uh for many, many years, they've um, they've brought theatre all around the world, really like Shakespearean theatre, like they do plays by Steinbeck and and like they have huge crews and they had huge caravans and like a huge, uh, is it a convoy when you have many uh, trucks and things following each other? Was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they traveled like that. They brought their their kids with them. They schooled their kids on the road. Um, and Paddy and Freddie now, uh, the heads of, of the theater company, Paddy um, is the director and, and Freddie uh, makes all of the costumes. So all of the costumes in that video, they're a couple and um, they work together like that. And they're in their, probably in their 70s now, I'd say. So they were so good. They were Miles O'Reilly knew them, and he um, he thought that we should we should go there to make the video. Myself and Claire were in Switzerland, and I was going to France anyway. Uh, so we we took the train across, and and we went to visit them, um, and they just welcomed us into their home for a few days, and we went to where they usually practice um, and and rehearse. And then every evening we came back and had really nice French food. And um, yeah, it was brilliant. They, like they, they were just so up for anything and, uh, and really like they had, they'd printed out all of the lyrics and they kind of gave them out to everybody that all of the actors and everything, Freddie had all the lyrics printed out and she gave them kind of like, it was like a kind of a side to your meal. Like when we were eating, we had the lyrics to Libra side. So it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was a really great team effort and, and I love working with Miles so much. Um, think we we really get each other and uh, it's always a really really good time working with him so it sounds like just a wonderful setting and experience 
yeah but then on on the downside so the video as great as it is came out in march as i believe the ep did yeah march, march last year so almost the perfect time to release an ep <laughs> i'm telling you i think it could have been a week after the country shut down and it's it's horrible because the only the only way that well I mean it it wasn't horrible in in the grand scheme of things there was a lot worse going on in the world like than releasing an EP in lockdown but um just from my selfish point of view like the only way I'm really comfortable promoting anything is by singing it mm. by standing on stage and singing it and then meeting people afterwards and selling the CDs or whatever it is you know, the merch and all of that. But I hate promoting uh, stuff online. And that was kind of the only way. So we just gave up. We didn't want to do it. And, and we, we put it out there and, and, um, and, and just let people listen to it if they, if they liked to listen to it or if they wanted to. But we didn't push it too hard because uh, it just really didn't seem like a very important thing then, you know. There was there was so much else going on. Yeah, so you basically just went pandemic. Whew, don't have to do any press. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, a bit, you know. Just well, it's, a, uh, it's a shame though to have worked so hard writing the songs, crafting the songs, recording, and then to have it taken away. But I mean, you're right in what you say. There are bigger things going on in the world. It just it seems a shame. But mm -hmm. I, I imagine that you do have plans to get out and do gigs and promote it yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, I think it was really nice, actually. Some, like, people sending us messages and stuff saying that they, they were listening to it and enjoying it. Like, that really made that lockdown a lot easier. But, yeah, it was a weird, weird time to, to release that. And, and we'd, yeah, we had worked very hard on it. We'd we'd spent a lot of time on it. But it was it was only an EP. There's, there's, there's bigger things to come, so... <laughs> Sure. Speaking of lockdown, how I mean, how was last year in terms of the your creative self? Did you find it productive? Um, I did. Yeah, I did. I I was lucky because I came back here to Carlo and and it, it's a really nice place to be. I had space, you know, I had space to <clears throat> go for walks and and it really helped me to reconnect with home again. And I found that really inspiring. And also just the, the time, having the time, like I, I'm often very distracted by crack. <laughs> so For non-Irish people listening, she means laughing and joking and having a good time. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for non-Irish people. I mean, a mischievous kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, by pints, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite distractible. So not having... Uh, any social life was was very good for me creatively. And that conveniently leads me back into the question uh, or the story I wanted to ask you about for the song House of Cards. Okay, great. Because I, I believe you have a connection to Belfast and indeed to the Dunkern with that song. Yes, yes. So you, you'll hear on that song there voices underneath. Uh, there's a, a field recording of um, your... your <laughs> expert field uh of voices and yeah they are the voices of a crowd of mad jokes outside of mad madden's isn't that the, the pub yeah 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 
after a night out in Duncairn. It was all the accents. It was a really, it was a, a beautiful recording. Claire had her phone recording in her pocket by accident. She didn't, she hadn't realized that her phone, like it was just like a, probably that's just like, yeah, she'd hit off her phone or something and it was recording. And uh, yeah, all these really amazing like musical accents and and people coming in and 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 shouting like, Josh, are you coming to fucking thing after this or whatever it was? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was that was brilliant. Was um, that an American after, person or where was that accent? I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll never make an actress. Just all you have to do is na 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 na. So what is? The situation is. But yeah, I remember Claire. We were rehearsing in Claire's house then, and she took out her phone and she was like, oh, actually, listen to this gas recording I got uh, the other night when we were outside Madden's. And she just started playing it. She was like, it's it's two hours long. <laughs> and uh, I was like, send me that. Send me that. So we, I, I actually said, play it there while we're, while we're playing House of Cards here. Because I was like, I think this will go really well underneath. Then I got Claire to send it to me and um, I took out the best bits and put it under. House cards, yeah. This house of cards began a lean to. That's what friends are for. In order to remain standing, we all need support. Love triangles depend upon each other. For me, I mean, I know that you released Libra as a single and it's, it's a great song and I can understand why you led with that song. For me, House mm-hmm. of Cards is a standout track on that EP. That's funny that you say that because uh, I just finished editing a video for House of Cards. Oh. Which is to come out soon. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I, I mean, I love the song even before I knew about the, the Dunkern slash Belfast connection to it. Yeah. Some of the lyrics that I, I picked out were love triangles depend upon each other, but our angles and perspectives differ. And that just that 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 turn in that line I thought was amazing. And then towards oh. the end, and I don't know if you had Belfast in your mind when you were writing it, but um keep the peace between the walls that divide us. I didn't, but yeah, I remember Claire saying that to me when we did put the the voices underneath. That song that song was originally written about tensions in a house. There was one point uh, in my life where I had a boyfriend and I was staying in my boyfriend's house a bit. And he had, one time in my life I had a boyfriend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days. Yeah, this is definitely a folk song material, this now, come on. <laughs> no, uh, oh, his housemates were just the worst. I'm sorry, but they really were. Bloody boys. And, and uh, they were arguing a lot so it was it was kind of about the fact that these people just didn't really accept that that we're all human and that we that we make mistakes and that we have 
a lot of our misunderstandings as human beings come from the fact that we're expecting too much of each other. And this song is kind of about embracing the the animal or or maybe not embracing but accepting that. Yeah, so that 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 uh, keep the peace between the walls that divide us was kind of just knowing, you know, when you're in a house and you can kind of feel that there are tensions there, but you you, you can hear everybody in the other room or or below you and what they're you can almost hear what they're or feel what they're thinking, you know, or you're making that up in your own head. Yeah. Are you someone who kind of can understand maybe the other person's point of view? You know, I mean, I think as as kind of writers, artists, we may be more sensitive than the average Joe in the street, maybe take things more to heart. Do you, do you forgive people easily? I'm very sensitive. I'm very, very sensitive. Yeah. I'm too sensitive. Some would say, yeah, that's all I can kind of say about that. It comes with its, its um, advantages and many disadvantages too, you know. And is that sensitivity, do you think, maybe where the songs come from? I'd say that that's a big part of of where they come from. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, obviously, then <clears throat> you have to take that really strong uh, emotion and try to funnel it somehow, or that 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 sensitivity and try to funnel it somehow, so that then it can be felt more acutely by another person. That's what I kind of see as as songwriting being. You have this big feeling. And you're trying to funnel this big feeling into something that can hit somebody else very acutely, you know? And, oh, yeah. But from my side, I wouldn't go as far as to say that poetry has saved my life, but it's definitely kept me sane a lot of times to have something to focus on mm-hmm. and, and to express mm-hmm. myself, you know, whether that was good or more often than not, you know, kind of bad emotions, whether it was you know, a breakup of a relationship or grief or some, you know, something negative. Mm. It's been great to have have that outlet, and I think if more people tried to express themselves, there wouldn't be as many mental health problems. Yeah, and also to kind of make fun of yourself, Mm. like make fun of your feeling. I remember in lockdown number one, I was feeling really sick and tired of, of the internet and Instagram and all of these things and I I was just I found myself just complaining about it all the time Mm. and I was still using it and I was still on it you know and the only way that I could kind of get over this frustration with it was to write a song about it and make fun of how I myself was interacting with it Um, and I actually found yeah I found a letter I, I, I found a book of letters that um, I actually gave my parents for Christmas one year, but they never read. So I decided I'd take it up and read it instead. And one of the letters was between uh, an artist called Sol Lewitt to Eva Hess. And Eva Hess, they're, they're, she's an, kind of a, an American minimalist. Um, it's kind of abstract artist. But she was going through a, a creative block and... Solowit sent her a letter of kind of um, advice, I suppose. And he just said, like, write something really stupid. 
or sorry, he didn't say write. He said make because she was an artist. She wasn't mm. a writer. But he said make something really stupid, like make something really nonsensical, like make the worst thing you can make. That's what he said. And um, I took that and I went, yeah, I'm going to write the worst song ever because I can't <laughs> write anything right now. So I'm going to write the worst song ever. And I wrote this song called Dopamine, which is about uh, social media. And it was like, you know, the first two lines, like, because I was there with my guitar and I was like, okay, what's the worst thing I could say? I was like, give me dopamine, give me dopamine. I want more, I need more. And then uh, I just kept going and I was like, this is a banger. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst song ever, but it's also the best song ever. And I think that there's a funny line there between when you can kind of let go and just like almost want to fail. Uh, in your writing, then you're hitting on a kind of an interesting ridge. Yeah, that's definitely an, uh, a unique approach. Uh, so will we ever hear dopamine? Write the worst poem ever, Colin. When 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 we finish this, write the worst poem you could ever write. Some might argue that I've done that a few times in my, in my <laughs> career, but will we ever hear dopamine? It sounds like a kind of a hip hop song, kind of the rhythm you had going there. It, it, it's a bit groovy, yeah. But it's not it's not hip hop, no. Yeah, it's on it'll be on Lowencello's album. Oh, so there there's an album coming? There is. I I would love I would love to have it recorded this year, yeah. Um but yeah, I, I find I go through kind of peaks and troughs in, in feeling in feeling really encouraged and excited and overexcited, almost hysterically excited about songs and a collection of songs and things. And then I get to about 60% the, the, the way there and I absolutely hate it. And I feel like I have to go back and start the whole thing again. But if I can get past 60% and 70% and that's really the tough part. But if I can get there, then then we're on the way home. So um, I'd say I'm probably at 55% away there at the moment. So I know that the tough part's coming. Well, you're over halfway there, living on a prayer. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for me, mm. like I, I'm finding it very hard to get motivated. I don't know if it's, I suppose it's a combination of lockdown 3.0 and the, mm-hmm. time of, the time of year. It's tough. It's tough. I think also, I don't know about you, but um, I always found gigs very inspiring where when I come home from a gig, I'd want to write something often. Just the kind of the combination of being around a community of people and watching something very beautiful happen before your eyes always made me want to to create something. So I think that that is that's missing too. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. You know, I come away from poetry nights just kind of filled with ideas and inspired by the people's unique interpretations of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, where else would you find inspiration then, aside from gigs? I think people really inspire me most. Um, and the things that people say, there's there's poetry in in, in conversations when people are, are don't think that they're being, they're not trying to be po- po- poetic, you know. Mm. Just like, you know, sometimes the funniest, the funniest parts of conversation is when someone doesn't realise they're being funny as well. So yeah, that's kind of that. That would be where I I get a lot of inspiration for my songs. I think 
sometimes they're events in my own life and sometimes they're stories that I hear from other people. But there's always kind of a, a crux in it that's something that is hard to express otherwise. So like using the song as a way to express an emotion or a feeling or a situation, like a, a, a situation that's hard to discuss otherwise. Where do you find your inspiration? Whatever I choose to write about in a poem, someone will have written about that subject matter before, sure. broad, broadly speaking. I think the trick for me is to try and interpret it, obviously, in my own way and to give my own experiences and to bring in... Mm. Bring, yeah, I, in the, the podcast, you said that uh, uh, that 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 one where you say Belfast, I'm your son, and then you said that you were tempted to put so I am at the end. Yeah, I'm your son, so I am. <laughs> that was a better accent. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah, it all depends on the moment you catch me at. But yeah, that. I, I might even argue for you putting that in the next time you perform it live. Yeah, um, that's that's something that I always, this is the thing, I quite often use humour in my poems. Yeah. And and it's easier for me if I'm, say, giving a message about peace and love to everybody, but I do it in a funny poem. Sometimes the message gets, it's easier to get across to people because you're not just hammering them with, be nice to each other. Whereas that poem that you're referring to, Potions and Elixirs, is such a serious poem about Belfast. Yeah. And I thought... Yeah, I, no, I the did, tone wasn't right. The tone yeah. wasn't right. But I have to be in myself in those funny. times. How do you find... Um, it's, an, uh, it's a question I, I, I've want, I've been wanting to ask um, people who write. Are you aware of the tone of what you're writing? Like, I suppose then you are, because say that you were saying that that was a, a very serious poem about, about Belfast. I've been thinking of that recently because, say, if you have a a serious subject matter or if you have, like, something of great volume that you want to to speak about, the tone is, is kind of important. It is very... The, the tone is so important because you can take a funny approach or you can take a sort of a satirical approach or you can take a... A, a serious approach mm. and to take a serious approach with a serious subject matter is very very hard very difficult and I think before before now before now in my writing I was never really aware of the tone at all and I think that that's maybe where my the a progression in my writing is coming is where now I'm now I'm aware of my tone of voice so before I was just writing kind of from, I don't know where I was writing from actually, but, but I wasn't thinking, I wasn't looking at the words on the page and thinking of the attitude of them, do you know? Mm. Whereas now I am thinking of that much, much more. And I think it's a, it's a curse as well as I know it'll make my writing better by being aware of tone, but it's also kind of a curse because you can, you can overthink that too. Are you editing and re-editing those lyrics then to, because of that thought process, like overthinking? It really depends on this. It really depends on the song. There are a couple of kind of lines that you know come from, they, they nearly didn't come from you. And those are the ones that I think are important to, to keep. And I'm learning to sort of trust my, 
trust my intuition with ones that really feel good and then also they say you have to kill your darlings I, I don't know if I, I I don't know if I agree with that yet maybe I haven't gotten there yet but yeah I I, I think that there, there are certain lines that I know are the kind of um, the heart of, of the song and then the rest of them around that then I will I will edit and re-edit re yeah Whenever I started out um, reading poems in public or performing poems, I was very much, I was writing these three or four minute poems and just kind of throw the kitchen sink at it and try and say everything that I needed to say or could possibly say. So for me, it's been a process of, as I've, as I've moved away maybe from the stage into more page poetry to make that distinction, is to, is to be able to edit myself and to get to the kind of the heart of the poem. So do you find yourself writing shorter poems now? I do. I very rarely write spoken word poems these days, maybe four or five a year. But I've been so focused on pretty much writing this book and getting work published and, and page poetry, as, as I say. Um, which is what would the difference between um, page poetry and spoken word poetry be for you? Well, on one level, there's no editing process in terms of the structure of the poem on the page for this when I'm, when I'm going to perform it. It's not something I even think about. I just write it. Sometimes this is like almost like a stream of consciousness, just all down the page. Really? And then I might break it into stanzas then if I have to hold the page just because it's easier to read. Wow. Whereas if I'm doing it on the page, I'm thinking about line breaks and stanzas and you know, where the full stop should be, where the comma should be and the technical kind of things. And I suppose the form is the main difference. And then... The other big thing is to say, trying to get through to that, the real crux of the poem, get and get the message across, and not have to do it over a four-minute poem, which could take you know, two or three pages to do it mm. in twenty lines or fourteen lines or whatever it is. And do you think that, say, now that you're lo lo like looking at the kind of page poetry and and um, working with the stanzas and 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 the structure of it a lot more, could you? see yourself bringing that into your spoken word poetry? Ideally, that would be the goal to be able to marry the two. I think there, at some level, there would always be that distinction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one of, one of the best who I've seen who has combined the page and the stage is, is Stephen James Smith. You know, I have his book, Fear Not. Mm, I have um, it too, yeah. Yeah, and I'm certainly his most well-known pieces are things that he's put online which appear in the book things like my ireland and dublin you are and it's great to see those written down but then it adds when you see him live perform them it adds obviously a different level to it mm -hmm. so, so for my book which is coming out later this year i might have mentioned it once or twice on the podcast mm. i don't think i don't think there's any what i would class as stage poems because i i just don't think they belong in the book that's really interesting so we'll see how it goes. If it bombs, then I'll go back to the stage poetry. <laughs> if it does okay, I'll keep on with what I'm doing. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, this podcast is going out on Thursday this week. And I believe, you, have you got a gig on Friday night? Yeah. That's uh, so it was Temple Bar Tradfest. Yeah, we, it, it, it's actually, it's a pre-record. So we've already done the gig. Don't tell anyone. Oh, yeah, well, that's the way it's done these days. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. I'll tell everyone. Um, yeah, the it was pre-recorded in Dublin Castle. So that was, uh, it was very nice, very fancy. 
to be recording it there. Um, and I think our performance is being streamed along with uh, Ono Kianavon and Alton O'Brien's and Claire Sands, who are all very amazing musicians and very, very sound heads as well. So, uh, no, I might I might actually watch that one. I find it hard to watch uh, ourselves back, but that one I might actually. So, comes highly recommended from the woman herself. <laughs> if you can't blow your own trumpet. <laughs> uh, how, how can people watch that if they would like to? Um, Do you know? If you go on to the Lemoncello social media, uh, you'll find the link. Uh, also, if you go on to Temple Bar Tradfest website, you'll find the link. Uh, can you give out the, the Lemoncello social media links and websites and whatever else you want to? Uh, Lemoncello Ireland. If you Google that, you'll find all of them. We're on Instagram and and Twitter and Facebook. And uh, I'm on Instagram myself as well, Laura Quirk. Quirk Laura on Instagram. So you can follow me there if you like. Uh, that's actually one question I, I forgot to ask you. So obviously we've talked a lot about Lemoncello. I mean, you've been recording songs on your own. Mm-hmm. Is this is something that you have been aiming to do. Yeah, it's funny, the word solo project, I don't really know what to call it because uh, I, I, I really wanted to collaborate with other people. And I think that's something that Claire and I really value is, is collaboration. And she has been uh, working with lots of different people and kind of expanding her her creativity that way. So, um, yeah, I, I when I came home during the first lockdown... I started writing a couple of songs that that were sort of close to me in terms of um, being about stories of home here uh, and then of kind of my observations of Dublin from the perspective of being from Kalukhtanon, uh, I suppose. And they just felt like they needed to be on an album of my own name, I suppose. Then I... Yeah, so I've been working on an album, working on so many albums right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so many songs, so many albums, but uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm not putting too much pressure on myself either. This time next year, none of it could be still in the pipeline or, or it might be. I'm just trying to let it, let it happen naturally, but it is, I'm following a pattern and yeah, I, I recently released a song called In the Half Light, which was kind of an accidental recording. I'd been up, I'm doing a project with Joshua Burnside as well, who's a Belfast uh, singer-songwriter. You know him, I'm sure. Not personally, but I know the music well. Yeah, and so I, I've been writing some songs, he's been writing some songs, and we've been singing them together. And um, he's an amazing producer as well, so uh, working with him in the studio has been really fun. And I was up in Belfast. Uh, Belfast has been a well of inspiration for me, really. It has. It's been amazing. But I was up in Belfast in, in Vault uh, Studio there in September when um, we were able to kind of uh, get out of lockdown for a little while. And um, I was up recording some songs with Josh um, and... 
I took a break from the studio at one stage to go downstairs and visit the piano in the dance hall in Vault Studios. And uh, I'd written a sort of a, not even a poem stream of, you wouldn't call it a poem because you're a poet. It was just stream of consciousness in my notes on my phone. Propped it up on the piano in Vault Dance Hall and started singing the words on my phone. And um, this song came out and I recorded it on my phone and then released it as a phone recording, which... Um, I wouldn't usually do, except for the fact that this it it felt right to to do it with this song. So, um, so that's out there if people want to check it out. I can imagine that working with Josh anyway would be inspirational because I think his his album yeah. from last year that I believe was called Into the Depths of Hell. Yeah, yeah. That, that for me was the best or one of the best albums I heard last year. It's a brilliant album. Yeah, he's an amazing songwriter and he's so he's so quick. I can't get over how quick he is. He's uh, he just keeps keeps writing and keeps putting stuff out. And it's it's all amazing. So yeah, <laughs> such an inspiration. It, it's the opposite of my process, but it's it's really inspiring and really uh, yeah, energizing to be around. Oh, I hate people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's us agonizing over words and commas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd say Josh agonizes too, but he just agonizes quickly and makes the decision real quick. He doesn't let the pain linger too long. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, a friend of mine who I, I worked with for a long time with, in different bands called Ashley. Hello, if he's listening, he always said, "Don't bore us, get to the chorus." <laughs> that, that was his one rule for songwriting. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that with me now. <laughs> oh well, you're welcome, and, <laughs> and indeed, on behalf of all the inspiration that Belfast has given you, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you, Belfast. Yes, and thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been lovely to finally get to talk to you properly. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you for your conversation. I hope I didn't uh, take you off on too many tangents there. I sort of, I speak in stream of consciousness. I don't, I don't speak with punctuation, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop myself. That's no, been great and good luck with everything that you're doing and Lemoncello are doing, whatever that may be over the course of the year. Thanks so much. And the same to you with your book and all of the next while the residency in the Duncairn. Tell them all I said hello. Welcome back and thanks again to the multilingual, multi-instrumentalist and multi-talented Laura Quirk for the chat. Back in September, before I started this podcast series, I wrote out a list of names of musicians and artists and writers who I wanted to speak to on the podcast. And Laura's name is right there at the top of the list. 
So I was delighted to get that opportunity. And I know everyone at the Dunkern is looking forward to whatever Laura and Lemoncello have for us next. But that's quite enough for me. I have got a book to write, so I better go. But I couldn't let you leave without a poem. And in this poem, there are seven stanzas. And I've just realised we're on episode seven, uh, which is a nice coincidence. I didn't even plan that. But uh, Laura and I spoke about the speed of writing and about how we have a tendency to, to analyse or to overanalyze the words. So I wrote the first six stanzas of this poem in about 10 minutes in a creative writing workshop. And then I didn't write the seventh stanza for another year. But I got there in the end. And I hope you like this poem, which is called Keys. I will not beg for the keys to the city, but if they fall into my possession, I'll drive into the centre most nights after 1am, stopping at a sweet shop for a sugar hit, to sit silently in a pub, checking the crossword answer in yesterday's paper, supping on a pint that I poured myself, just one though, as I'll still need to drive home, weaving in and out of the bus lane, with the keys to the city on the dashboard where they catch the light from the moon. And the moon might remember me from even lonelier nights when we'd meet between the pavement and staggered streetlights that I now whiz past. Nights of one-way conversations, with the moon listening intently to the recital of laments that would never be uttered in daylight. But I wonder if the sun who knew my face and the moon who knew my name ever spoke during their shift change and put two and two together. Would they have guessed that someday I'd possess the keys to the city? or drive so late and recklessly, or be able to milk the moon for another melancholy poem. There you go. Hopefully you thought that was worth the year wait. You, on the other hand, won't have to wait so long for the next podcast. I will be back in two weeks' time when I'll be chatting with a fine poet who was due to release her debut poetry pamphlet this month, and I may even try to coax her to read a poem or two of her own. Until then, keep her lit, keep her handy, keep her low through our bow, and toodaloo.